Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company, everybody. For today, you've only got Kai and Simeon. Uh, Karina is out of town, traveling. She's literally living the life right now. So we are going to try to carry on our conversation and try to stay on topic and try to keep this under five hours um, without her. So welcome back. Um, Yeah, welcome back. What's up, Sim? How you doing? I am all right. Just all right? Just, Just living life. Okay, there are worse things to be doing, and there are better things to be doing, so I'm going to just leave it like that. That's cool. Living life is is the goal. That's why we're all here. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, I guess at this point we can kind of just jump into dope shit. What you got? Um, In the spirit of why we do this show, uh, it's about people putting their money where their mouth is. Um, Sesame Street is my dope-ish for this week because Sesame Street's creators have launched a new fellowship to increase diverse voices in children's media. And basically what they're doing is they're uh, starting a six-week intensive uh, program called the Sesame Street Writers Room, which will be held at Sesame Street Studios. And basically what will happen is uh, whoever... I don't know how many people are um, are going to be chosen, but um, basically they will be led into a development deal for, actually wait, it's two people. Two people will be chosen and will be given a development deal to create uh, programs for Sesame Street. So um, that's dope that as well. That is dope. Because, I mean, we, we talk about diversity all the time, but I think, you know, what we're waiting for or what we're hoping for is to see people actually putting it into motion, not just saying I can't find people or um, I'm not finding the right kind of talent. This to me says they're going out and they're looking for, they're, they're looking to see the potential in people and they're going to develop them and give them a development deal, which is, I mean, that's huge. Like if you get a development deal, like that's the beginning of your career. Like, People just don't walk out of school and and get those. So they are my dope-ish for the week. Um, And I think the deadline is open. Uh, Actually, no, the deadline's close. Uh, But um, I I just found out about this. So, you know, I think it's it's dope, you know, to give people this opportunity to actually get their foot in the door. And not just get their foot in the door and leave them out to sink or swim, but to develop them. Absolutely. I think that's the difference between that's the difference between spinning wheels about diversity and inclusion because it makes you feel good and actively seeking solutions or seeking ways that you can solutionize on behalf of um bias practices in media and any other industry otherwise. So good for them. They also actually just they actually added a new character that has autism. And while I'm not clear on how that works, like how that mm. will uh how that will actually like come across on television, like Sesame Street has always done a good job of 
diversity or showcasing diversity in in an authentic matter. So yeah, definitely. And Sesame Place is still forever going to be my my <laughs> place of choice when I think about my childhood. So also uh, Mafa, who we are partners with on this podcast, they're having an event on April the thirteenth at Plubis's Health. And the topic is going to be inclusion. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Um, so if you are interested in how you can be uh, a change agent or inclusion agent at your office or looking for strategies or whatever the case may be, um, definitely check out that event on April 13th at Plubis's Health. If you follow Mafa on um, Instagram and Facebook, uh, their handle, I believe, is Mafa New York, uh, and they will have more details on that. Okay, that sounds good. Shout out to Mafa. They always hold us down. Um, well, I I actually don't have dope shit for this week. Oh wow. <laughs> I don't. Um, it's like the first time ever. It is you're, the first you're, time you're ever. Usually on topic. I'm usually on topic. I usually have a topic. I'm usually prepared to speak, but I'm just gonna be um I'm just gonna be a little real. I feel like I I've been working real hard, y'all. I've been out here trying to really empathize with thoughts of my mother when she used to come home from work tired and exhausted and that's why she used to cuss us out. Oh, and wow. I get it. We, we are in that stage. We are in that stage and I get it after a long hard day, long hard days at work. So, I in the last couple of weeks have become highly sensitive to just a lot of bullshit. So I don't have dope shit. I just want to call out bullshit. <laughs> Go for it. Do just it. Just to get it off my chest because at this point I feel like that's what I come here for. I come I come, I record. I I this is therapy. So and I guess we're going to get into this as we start to talk about our our hot topic, but I just want people that advocate on behalf of diversity and inclusion to stop rewarding mediocrity on the topic. Preach. I feel, and it's, this is very general, mainly because I've been to a few events in the last, last couple of weeks. I've been, I've sat in on a few conversations. I've overheard people. I've read tweets. I see Instagram posts. I'm on Facebook. And I just want us to stop congratulating people for doing the bare minimum. Speak on it. When it comes to diversity and inclusion, you are not, we are not, we are all not special for having a conversation. Quite frankly, I feel like just about everybody is having a conversation about diversity and inclusion in one sense or the other. So applauding people for sitting down in circles and throwing ideas back and forth and never coming to an answer. And I say never coming, or I should say solution. And I say never coming to a solution very purposefully because quite honestly, the conversation hasn't changed as far as I've ever heard it and research that I've done. So going into this hot topic conversation, my call out, my, my call out on bullshit. Maybe that's what we should do from now on. Maybe Everything. Maybe we don't always have a dope shit. Maybe sometimes we have to call out bullshit. Let's 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 do it. But I'm with that. 
to Mafa's point, don't talk about it, be about it. I see a lot of people talking about it. I hear a lot of people talking about it. And they get to high five themselves and each other and you feel less guilty. I'm not giving anybody a congratulations until they're able to be consistent. Mm. And to be transparent, I've said that about people's weddings in the past. I'm actually not going to be happy for you until I've seen that you've been together for a while. So, but no, I, I like, I, I feel very strongly about this. I feel as we go into this conversation, I feel, I feel like as I continue to turn on the news and as I continue to read newspapers and, and, and just kind of be in this world, this this post-Obama, this Trump era, this social media, this millennial uh, environment of a world. I'm not here for mediocrity and conversations. I'm here for action. I don't get paid. I don't get paid for talking about going to work. I get paid for going to work, clocking in my hours, doing my work, and returning to do so frequently. So I just want everybody to know that that is my vent for the day. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> I just needed to get that. It was a word. It was a word on my heart that I needed to get off. So, yeah let's let's just stop let's let's stop applauding mediocrity and start applauding action. If, if you really want to be real, then you know, medi- applauding mediocrity is why we're still talk- having this conversation. It is. Uh, Tell them why you're mad, son. So many decades after the Civil Rights Act was put. Oh in place. no no no. Not even civil rights, because before that, there were abolitionist movements, and before that, like, I just, I don't want to applaud people for talking about the change they wish they could make if we're not going to actually take steps to make that change. I just, I just, I, I think I'm becoming disenfranchised with the conversation, like a lot of people said I would and I've not lost hope I know there are great people in this world that are about that life but for everybody else that is just about talking about that life you can take your 140 character posting fake self somewhere else that's I just can't I can't I can't deal with it and I mean I don't want to have conversations about this content anymore unless we're actively going to pick up the torch and do something about it. That's all. But we're doing things. We are, which is why I sit here <laughs> bi-weekly with you guys and I can have this conversation because we actively take on the challenge of advocating and working on behalf of diversity and inclusion, civil rights, media, uh, representation, and all of that. We act- We actively do that. So I feel confident. I just don't... I feel like if you're... <laughs> What did uh, Riley say to Grandpa on the Boondocks? Like real J slash Jay Z, real recognized, real. You not looking familiar? Like I just don't want to have these conversations if if the response is not going to look familiar. I mean, and that's all. I'm also about two glasses of wine in. So and 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 that's why a couple weeks ago when I was talking about setting people up to fail, that's 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 what I meant, which is like. The reality of the situation is I don't want to – I want to see you put your money where your mouth is. Right. And that's and that's just – you know, because this this conversation, I mean, like, we talk about it so casually, but the reality of the situation is I'm not doing this for myself. 
at this point um, because technically I have a career, um, but I'm, I'm doing it for the people who are a couple years behind me because I don't want them to feel how I felt when I was getting started. It, it breaks some people. Like, it I mean, really like, does. depending on, depending on who you are and how you've been set up for life, dealing with this industry can break you and everybody breaks differently. Um, and I would rather us not be broken. I want us to be in this industry and be as carefree and uh, just as carefree as our white counterparts. Um, I want us to feel as like, this is just, it's just another job. Just like a lot of them feel like it's just another job and not have this load of pressure on us to be as uh, Angela Rogers said, the next best thing to Jesus. Um, you know, when we, Oh, Angela rise, who's Angela Rogers, Angela, <laughs> Angela Rye. Rye. Uh, like, so we don't have to feel like we need to be the next best thing to Jesus. When we come in, we could just be good at our job and not have to be the second coming. Yeah. Unicorns don't exist guys. Just because you found one or two doesn't mean that that's it. There's a whole there's a whole pool of people out there that aren't given fair chances. So that's my rant for today. And the only reason I'm saying it in this tone is because I'm a couple glasses of wine in. So <laughs> just know that that came from a, a a good place. A very yeah, it came from a good place. I I, I mean that I mean that with every ounce of love and maybe shade that I can muster. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we can move into our, um, our listener comments. So we actually started getting a few in shout out to everybody that actually made comments and notes about our audio. Um, speaking of mediocrity, <laughs> speeding, speaking of mediocrity, mediocrity, we're totally taking that into account. We are working on software. Let me let y'all know we are not out here recording in studios. Today, we've actually made it up to the east side, a.k.a. Casa de Kai, a.k.a. my house. Um, but, yeah, we are working through those issues. So thank you guys for your comments. Um, thank you. Thank you to the people that I've, I've spoken to in the last couple of weeks that have mentioned that they've been listening. Um, I know Miss A Minute to So has been commenting on our episodes and it's really exciting to have a um a former classmate and an industry colleague paying attention um to what we've got to say on this here little show so that's always dope um and then we actually got a it's not a question but a what would you do from a listener so i'm gonna paraphrase it this listener um, recently had an interview at a very large and recognizable uh, company um, after meeting with several, uh, I guess, high-level employees since, I guess, the winter time. Um, they finally made their decision and decided that they were going to go in another direction. Um, however, this message was delivered via automatic, um, triggered email, um, 
what is it automatic trigger email so essentially auto reply yeah right is that yeah trigger (laughs) trigger email is a technical term at work right so but essentially this listener responded to their her contacts and decided to ask for the feedback like what's the feedback which i actually i've never even considered asking why have Have you asked why before yeah i feel like if if I would ask why if I had a constructive conversation with that person, I felt like we vibed and I walked out going, damn, I killed that. (laughs) Um, I would want to know like, what was that missing thing or what was that factor that, that was the cause for me not getting the job? Okay. That's fair. No, I, I definitely was on some like, well, you know, Next time I move around, I should probably ask, like, for the feedback. Because I thought that was smart, and I never thought about it. So, anyway, asked for the feedback. Um, met with one of the senior people that the listener had uh, met with earlier in the process. Um, and was basically told that they were not confident that the time it was going to the, the time it was going to take for the learning curve to, um, I guess, teach how to build decks and creatively concept <laughs> was going to be worth it. They needed they they didn't feel confident in this listener's abilities to perform for building decks and creatively concepting. Just some quick context. This is for. Um, a marketing manager position. So for those of you on the agency side, it's like your account person. Um, and this company, they also have an internal creative team. So I'm just going to put that out there. So the listener pretty much just wants to take, get our view on what we think went down. I'm not going to answer first because I'm, I'm feeling petty. So I may not necessarily want to start the conversation to me you're so much better at being objective you first i feel like those i mean one i don't even think deck building should have been brought into the equation like me neither no that's that's something that is it's it's first of all as a, a creative who works on a lot of decks um, there's usually a lot of input from so many different people because so many, um, and I mean, depending on, she's a marketing, well, it's for a marketing manager position. There are, there are other disciplines that need to weigh in mm-hmm. because marketing isn't just the account people, it's strategists, it's, um, creatives. So putting that all on the marketing manager sounds weird. Um, But then also, I think mentioning the learning curve, if you went in for an interview and you had three interviews, um, obviously somebody didn't think you had a learning curve because you kept progressing through these interviews. So if you ask me what happened, um, somebody's homeboy wanted a job and they got it Um, because I don't, I don't, I don't think that anyone, I don't think you can get through three interviews and deck building 
and learning curve become a problem in the third interview? That's something that you get called out on in your first interview because that person is the gatekeeper. They are the one who, who is uh, the person who's checking the temperature to make sure that you are competent enough to actually do this job. And then those two other people, they're the ones who are more so looking for like cultural fit, um, <laughs> Archives rolling her eyes. Um, cultural fit and what it is that you bring to the table for them specifically, and not necessarily just for the company. Because let's be real, like when you're interviewing somebody, you're looking at them as an investment, you're looking at them as an asset. You want to know what they're going to do for you. You know what I mean? Like it's not just the job is what can this person do for me and it, you know in my career um, and so I feel like between those last two people somebody was just like nah like I, I want to go in a different direction but I don't think their different their reason for going in a different direction was legit because those reasons are so shallow like they have no mm -hmm. depth to them so my take on this is coming from the same place of my opening rant. Um, that's some bullshit. I mean, I find it like like let's be real, right? To your point, you're not worried about deck building in your third interview. Um, I think it fell through. I think there were pro there were promises made elsewhere, and they needed to figure out a way to let uh to let you down easily and. Without saying, one of the things she meant um, that the listener mentions is that they said that we think you'd be a great culture fit. So exactly, once you know that you vibed with everybody that you've met with, they can't come back and say you just weren't a culture fit. Right. But they also can't say you didn't know your shit. Right. My take on this is everything you said, Sim. Plus, you didn't want to work there anyway, because anytime somebody is going to throw smoke and mirrors in your face and pull wool over your eyes and tell you that what you saw isn't what you saw, they totally deserve to kick rocks. There's not enough money in the world to compromise your integrity like that if you can help it in the beginning. So to me, that is total Beyonce best thing you never had, <laughs> and you completely dodged a bullet. Everything about that is fuckery. Everything about that is bullshit. What would have been appreciated is here are the things that we're looking for in our our candidate. Here's how we think you can improve. If you can't offer me a valid reason why me, a person that you felt at one point was great enough for you to carry along this pipeline, then I'm going to need you to be transparent. Right. And they're not. And why do you want to be there if they're not? I mean, because like, you can get, if all of that, you can get a whole bunch of money going work in pharma. For real, for real, for real. For real. <laughs> for real, for real. Um, I mean, you, you also want to think about that last stage, right? So this this means that there are, there's a conversation that's happening between multiple people. And that's the best that they could come up with. That is the best they could come up with. <laughs> you know that's what I'm like? saying. Like, you're not even creative. Who, concept, who concepted this lie? Who concepted it's this lie? Like it's 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 lazy and it, it doesn't, you know. And to Kai's point, like I, I think when it comes to these conversations of diversity and inclusion, um, 
we really need to start treating these these work relationships like relationships and knowing when to cut your losses knowing when it's not worth the fight um if you watch love and hip-hop you you know that many situations just aren't worth the fight and if you are working for a kurt you just need to bounce that's saying like you, like you, you, you just or you, you at least need to acknowledge that you need to bounce because it's not always easy them. to just go. Like, like you can't, you can't, you can't change them. Like, and that's and that's the thing about culture. And it's you can't. You know, one person told me this a couple of years ago. He said this culture is not going to change for you. It, this culture is what it is, and it's not going to change for you. And I know we're we're here and we're we're talking about fighting a good fight and some fights are worth fighting for. And some fights are just not. Some aren't, and you gotta you gotta cut your losses and just be like, that's fuck, motherfucker, <laughs> and just bounce. Um, I'm sorry. I just I I don't. I I think I want to share this. <laughs> so. Just so y'all know, we're recording on the day that Black Women at Work is trending on Twitter and everybody is spilling tea and getting their life, but Maxine Waters has spoken and she's everything I hope I am. At her tender age of whatever the hell age she is, I hope she I can I hope I can feel like I I hope I can get there in my next year, but she just responded to this thread. <laughs> So for those of you that don't know, um, Bill O'Reilly has reared his ugly little head again and decides that, you know, he wants to speak on matters that don't belong to him and said that he couldn't um, understand or hear anything that Miss Maxine or Congresswoman Black Maxine Waters um, says about Donald Trump because he can't get past her James Brown wig. Now. For those of you that don't know, she does not have a James Brown wig. She totally has an auntie wig. And I know that for a fact because several of my aunties have those wigs. (laughs) In her defense, that's none of your damn business what's on her head. Sure ain't. What matters is that she's out here speaking truths. And she's really not worried about any of you that want to... um, that want to slander her name. She's not here for the slander. She's not here for the label. She just wants the truth out there. Also, stay out of grown folks' business. Okay, just stay out of grown folk business. Like she's, she's not. Grown. This is first of all, you address her as Miss <laughs> when you speak about her, and then Congresswoman. She is not here for your bullshit. But anyway, she has responded, and this made me excited, and I just needed to share it. Um, she tweeted out just what a few minutes ago. I'm a strong black woman. I cannot be intimidated and I am not going anywhere. Hashtag (laughs) black woman at work. I'll go ahead and add in a couple more hashtags. Hashtag what do you want? Hashtag how can I help you? (laughs) She's not worried about y'all. Like, I just really want people to know. Some people are not out here worried about anybody. So that was my minor tangent. Um, So yeah, anyway, for that listener... Take it as a blessing. Everything everything that glitters ain't gold sometimes is fake and glittery from Claire's and you don't want it anyway. So let that job go. Shout out to Maxine Waters. And I guess we can start talking about our uh, 
hot topic. Let's do it. Okay. So, yesterday, I had the pleasure of attending um, a diversity summit uh, hosted by uh, IPG um, in conjunction with the Ad Club, the Advertising Club of New York. Um, The event was called Their Truth, and it was the Summit on Black Women in Advertising, Marketing, and Media. Uh, Just to give you some quick I guess just to give you some quick notes about the event, um, essentially the program included uh, advertising, advertising's first ever, ever review of the latest research on black women in the corporate world, as well as groundbreaking discussions with a cross-section of the industry's top black women trailblazers. These women included uh, MSNBC's Joy Reid, um, uh, Tech Adventures and Soul Transyncs, uh, IP and IPG board, board member Jocelyn Carter Miller, uh, EVP Chief Marketing Officer of the NBA Pam L, uh, the Chief Strategy Officer at FCB Vita Harris, um, the Founder and Creative Director of Carol's Daughter Lisa Price. Uh, the is a whole bunch of ladies, y'all. The corporate communications and corporate social responsibility, um, EVP of marketing at BET, Janine LeBert, um, and Carol H. Williams, who is the CEO and chief creative officer at Carol H. Williams Advertising, um, who, by the way, literally has my heart and I'm trying to get on her Christmas list. (laughs) Okay. Um, It also included a reading by author Valerie Graves, who wrote the book, or who wrote uh, Pressure Makes Diamonds, Becoming the Woman I Pretended to Be. So, this event was um, put together in honor and celebration of Women's History Month, and um, focusing on black black women within the industry specifically, um, as we very well know as, uh, I guess a more specific discussion surrounding diversity and inclusion in the industry. So I attended the event and Sim, you actually watched the event on the live stream. I did. And it's available for all of you to go watch. It's totally well. available. We'll have the link available for people. Hopefully it'll still work when people get this. Um, opening remarks were made by Mark Michael, Roth, who is the chairman and CEO of IPG, and Gina Grio, who is the president and CEO of the Ad Club. So, it was an interesting event. Let me start off by saying, anytime there's a conversation about black women, uh, specifically black women in the media, advertising, marketing industries, I'm always going to be here to support, because if nothing else, if I feel if we don't support each other, who's going to support us? So I'm I'm here for it, especially if there's wine, cheese, and prosciutto. I'm always going to be down for an event where there's wine, cheese, and prosciutto. And they it were was. there. Oh, they were there. <laughs> they were there. It was great. Um, walking in, it was amazing to see. Um, when you work 8 to 14, 15 hours a day, depending on if it's a new business week or a project going on, 
in the industry, it it sometimes can feel like you don't see uh, your sisters, you don't see your family, you don't recce, you start to believe that you you are in fact a unicorn oftentimes when you don't get out and socialize with other people in the industry who share your story. So going to this event, which was held at the Paley Center on 52nd Street in New York City was amazing. There were hundreds of women there, definitely hundreds. Mm. It's got a, it, less than a thousand, but definitely hundreds. A lot of people I couldn't count. Seeing all of these successful women, you know, the weather is starting to break. Everybody was in their flyest of flats so that they could get on the train, including me. <laughs> um, and it was it, it was just nice. It felt warm. It felt welcoming. It felt comfortable. And we, after a period of networking, we were all ready to um, partake in conversation about. DNI black women advertising. So it was great. It was set up great. Um, there were many things I felt that I learned. I will speak to a couple of those things. So, um, what was her name? So Ty Wingfield, who's the SVP of communications, um, at the center for talent and innovation. She actually did a presentation on, uh, the status of black women in the industry a lot of the information that she presented to him um, was actually discussed in the, I feel like this is the third time we're mentioning it. So this is obviously- I've, I've definitely seen that information before. Well, it was it was on the the Sheryl, Sa- Sheryl Sandberg Foundation um, uh, research that we, pre- that we talked about, I guess, one of our first episodes mm-hmm. that we actually touched on in the last episode. Uh, specific to black women. So they spoke about how um, about 40% of women, um, 40% of people in leadership positions are women um, in this industry specifically. However, only 1% of them are black women. That wasn't surprising to me. Let me cut you off. So um, I'm actually cut you off. (laughs) But there was an article that came out uh, the day before and the exact number is there are 93 black female executives in advertising, PR, and related industries. So it's 93. I believe that comes from the the EEOC numbers. Uh, And that's 93 women out of 8,734 total executives. Right. Um, They go on to talk about how black women view power as as an enabler Pretty much meaning that power, money, money, power, respect, shout out to the Lox and Lil' Kim yes, sir. Uh, and DMX. Um, essentially, these are the things that drive women to want to excel at work. Other other um, enablers include the idea of be- becoming change agents. So similar to what Sam was talking about earlier, where, you know, you want to make sure the people coming up behind you don't necessarily have to go through what you went through to get there. Um, providing for others, many of us. Um, many of us do help family members out, if not when they're in need, definitely, um, on a more consistent basis. Um, and then essentially also talking about women, black women, uh, or women in general look to flourish, excel, earn well, be work in uh, a field in which they are passionate, um, empower and be empowered. So all of these things were great. Um, but I started to feel on my end, like I was missing something. I started to feel like 
after we got through the data, which some of it, a lot of it was new, that the conversation started to deter in a way where I started to feel like Groundhog's Day. I mean, that's, I mean, that's legit. Like, to me, I've seen the data before. I was in a similar conversation with pretty much the same topic with uh, that Ty presented that data in probably about three or four years ago. And I find the data exciting. Um, I think it, it confirms how I feel about black women. Like y'all just bosses, like y'all do the damn thing. Like I've, and I've said this before on the show, like a lot of my mentors are black women. And I feel like that was the climax of that discussion. Um, because it should have opened the door for something for a very deeper conversation because part of the excuses that a lot of men throw out there um, is that women are are afraid to step up or they need to be empowered to do the bare minimum and to me the data says that black women are empowering themselves and I'm not saying that they're that they're bulletproof but it it basically said that they don't need to be told to lean in like they're leaning in on their own accord they do need um, other things along the way like sponsors and and mentors and opportunities but the data to me was basically saying like they're doing this they're ready for it and you're not stepping up to the plate to give them these opportunities and so for the for the rest of the event i was waiting for them to get to that point right like basically saying like these women are ready the data is showing that they're capable that they want it and why aren't they getting it? And I don't think that why aren't they getting it was answered. Well, I don't think it was asked. It wasn't asked either. I was say like <laughs> so. So one of the things that I that that I started to feel like there was a moment I was sitting in the seat, and as I mean, if anyone's ever been to an event with me, like I talk through these events, I'm crack, I'm cracking jokes, but I'm also pointing things out that are obvious. And at one point, I looked to. Um, my colleagues that I had gone to the event with and I mentioned, listen, this event isn't for me. This event isn't for, for you. This event, I think, becomes a thing of, of utility for people in the room trying to hire or trying to take action on their conversations about hiring more diversely. But this conversation isn't for me. I, th I started to feel like the conversation, um, we can't just keep asking, you know, what do you do when you're in a situation where you feel you have to work 10 times as hard as everybody else? We know what we do. We either step up to the plate or we don't. And that's pretty much what everybody on the panel said. Or um, what is it like being, what was it like getting into the industry? I mean, for all of us, it's hard. Like, the, you know, like the questions became so mundane and redundant. So what I started to think about was like, what do I, what would I want to get out of panels and conversations like these, mm -hmm. you know, because to my point earlier, like I'm tired of having conversations that are not going anywhere. And if we keep having conversations to your point where there's no solution, where we're not asking the real questions, because the question isn't, 
to these women on this panel that own their businesses and have worked in the industry and have worked their way up to CEO and SVP and CSO and whatever, whatever. It's not about them. They made it. The question is for, um, the question then becomes for Michael Roth, Michael Roth, granted, Michael Roth did an amazing job of plugging himself as he should for being (laughs) one of the few heads of an advertising organization that actively seeks to employ women and how they have been able to set their bar so high um, on a low scale compared to other agencies, how they've hired so many women and people of color over the, over the years. However, why are why is that what you're proud of? To me, that's a question. I these are questions that I would want to ask. Mm-hmm. Why are you proud of that? Why are you proud of just even though the number is low, we're still better than everybody else. Why wouldn't you want to strive to actually go for that? Uh, those numbers that a uh, what is it? GE General, sorry, General Mills and um, Hewlett Packard are requesting fifty fifty mm-hmm. women. Why don't you feel, why do you feel like you haven't been able to accomplish hiring a larger number of people of color? Not obviously black people, like that's for certain, but not just black people. Like in general, why can't, like you haven't been able to hit any of those. Do you have any double digits of people of color in your your organization? You don't. So why are we applauding that and why are you applauding yourself? You know, like, and I'll, and I'll say this, and then I'll, I'm not, I'm not gonna roast him, right? Because I'm not roasting him, well, but I do think it's important. Like, there are a lot of people on stage, and you know, if anybody goes to the link, you'll see there are a lot of, not a, even a lot, no, a lot. It wasn't all of them. I'm not here about thanking you for the opportunity to speak to me yeah. about my experience, <laughs> my dude. Like, and there were like. And a friend of mine, she she was like, you know, that's probably a generational thing because if these are your auntie's age, people your auntie's age weren't even able to have this conversation. So granted, maybe they're thankful. Let me be clear. I'm not thankful about having a conversation. I'm, I'm thankful about action. All right. So here's, here's what I'm saying. <coughs> so I used to work for an IPG company, right? And so I did was, I. I. I actually got into this business through an IPG diversity program. The program that they created, I will say, is a good program because when we talk about putting your money where your mouth is, part of it is getting new talent. And I was one of those new talents that they that they brought in, that they paid for out of pocket, that we were able to work on billable business and clients. And to our listener letters uh, point, you know, quote unquote, and I've heard this before, clients don't want to pay for training people, whatever. IPG paid for that, right? I've also heard Michael Rob drop many quotables that I agree with where we were at a uh, diversity awards event and he said, I don't want to be having this conversation in the next 10 years. That being said, I have worked for multiple IPG companies and as much as Michael Roth wants to, and and obviously you, you you have the head, and then you have your henchmen that are underneath it. As much as much as Michael Roth wants to apply, um, and again, 
I hope this makes it to somebody who's in the C-suite who wants to challenge what we're saying, because as much as he puts these demands on diversity and inclusion and ties them to bonuses um, for CEOs, having worked at four IBG companies, um, I can say with a clean conscience, and I will sleep like a baby tonight on this wine, that um, is bullshit. <laughs> and 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 the reason the reason why it's bullshit is because your these numbers that are set for these CEOs, I don't know how specific they get, but having worked at these companies, they can't be that specific if the the majority of your people work in IT or they're admins or they're receptionists or they're security guards. Or, right. You know, right. Exactly. We're, we're not. We're not talking about the jobs that we're sitting down and having these conversations about. We're talking about, and I don't want to downplay these jobs, but the conversation isn't about admin jobs. The conversation is about creatives and account executives and strategists and and exactly. producers and project managers. That's what the conversation is about. So, for example, you... for example, Uber just released uh, their diversity numbers today, and. Somebody sent it to me. We're like, oh, you'd be excited to see this. Obviously, as I go to look to see, because you showing me your diversity numbers, it means shit to me. Right. Like, again, you're not getting congratulated because you just right. did the first step that you should have been doing in the first fucking place. Like, let's be real about it. You sh you sh these are things you should be doing. But one of the things that you know is there are 0% of blacks in tech leadership. Right. Let's be clear, there's not 0% of blacks in the world. There's not 0% of blacks in this country. There's not 0% of blacks that work in tech. There's not 0% of blacks that are qualified to lead. So therefore, your issue, as one of the panelists brought up earlier, the issue isn't, the issue was never that there's no pool. like. I'm just getting so sick and tired of hearing that. Like, it's so frustrating for me to hear anybody anymore ever again talk about how they just don't know where to. Like, you know where to go when you wanna when you wanna buy concert tickets to your favorite rap concert, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know where to go when you wanna buy a fitted. You know where to go when you wanna get. I don't know. You want to get soul food, southern food. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know where to go to get other pieces of culture that are useful to you. But when it comes to actually going out to find to find people or to get people or to hire people or whatever the hell you want to say, all of a sudden it becomes I just I just it's like I've never seen a person of color in the world. You know one of the notes that one second, one of the things that they said last night, and I forgot who said it, but it was the issue the issue isn't that the pipeline doesn't exist, but that the pipeline is leaky and clogged, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll go out and say we'll get interns. But we're not doing anything to retain them. So they're sliding out one in. Those of them that stay in the industry. They're climbing up, they're climbing up the pipeline, climbing up the pipeline, and all of a sudden they start to hit this ceiling. 
the ceiling and you can't get past it. And every time mm -hmm. you find one way to kind of maneuver your way around, there becomes another ceiling. And every time you find a way to maneuver yourself around that ceiling, there becomes another ceiling. What are these ceilings? Oh, um, it's not that you're doing anything wrong. You know, we just want to see you. We want to see if you're able to handle more of it. Um, it's not that, you know, we think you're great and you're such a great culture fit. I just want to see you build better decks. Um, it's not that, you know, uh, just always find for you to always find an excuse to like, to not advance somebody that clearly deserves it. And that's clearly been working for it. And that's clearly qualified for it. That becomes a ceiling. So on one end, you're not staying in because there's nothing keeping you there. And on the other end, you're not progressing because there's no, there's, there's no one helping you not even helping. Let's not say help. There's no one. There, there are people finding reasons for you not to advance. It's not even about helping. Like you're finding reason for people not to advance. Yeah. To, to the argument of these agencies, not knowing where to find people that has been one of my biggest pet peeves to date. And the reason is all of these agencies, uh, on their websites, they, they go to these conferences and they, and they talk about how innovative and how strategic and, and how smart their talent is, their existing talent. And, and when it comes to something as simple as finding people who are looking for you, like these people are not hiding, you're not selling them anything. These people are actively looking for you. They're in your inboxes. They are stalking your LinkedIn pages for you to say that you don't know where to find people as intelligent and as smart as you are with the, the amount of brain power that you have at your agencies for you to say that you don't know where to find people makes you sound extremely stupid. Well, Pam L wasn't really having none of that last night because she made her, uh, her comment was the biggest lie the ad industry has ever told is we can't is we can't find people of color to hire and i think that's i personally feel like that's a lie because the the truth is we can't we can't we can't pull ourselves together to find people of color we want to hire but i, I mean but somebody hit on it yesterday and they, and they kind of touched on it and they, and they passed over it briefly but mape has been around for 40 years, years 40 plus years I believe two four, years ago we said it was right 40 so times. so 40 plus years the most promising minorities has been around for about 20 something years and you have a pipeline you 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 know where to find these people you have a pipeline so the question is not just you know where to find them it's why can't you keep them why can't you develop these these people to the point where they do become executives because if you're talking about most promising minority, you can just start there. That's the last 20 years. That's a Jay-Z album. That's a Biggie album. Like we're, we like, this isn't that long ago. So when you start talking about the last 20 years, those people who came into the pipeline 20 years ago, they should be executives at this point because their white counterparts are executives at this point yeah. so why is it that you only have 93 so i'm going to switch gears because another topic that they brought up last night which i thought was interesting and put some things into perspective for me um 
there was mention of uh, how, you know, with the books like Lean In and articles about women not being able to have it all and just there's been a lot of talk in the media about women in corporate in the corporate world who um essentially are come across or they're portraying women as very soft isn't the word but very uh intimidated and um that sounds weird intimidated uh women who are not as ambitious as their male counterparts and uh one of the truth nuggets that Ty um, Wingfield was able to bring to the table is the majority of women that they sampled for their study that were, that did identify as uh, a black woman, they, we, I'll, I'll put my, my foot in there, we don't necessarily identify in that way. I think, not I, I think personally based on my experiences and based on the research that was given, a lot of black women, most black women that especially enter into the corporate world, our goal is to climb to the top. We're not just happy just being. And one of the things it, it brought to attention an insecure that I have had, which is I always feel uncomfortable when I sit and I speak to other people and they say, oh, you know, titles don't matter to us. Oh, you know... All of us are on the same level. What that does, and it, it kind of makes me feel insecure because it's like, well, damn, I'm ambitious as hell. Like, I'm not just trying to be, mm. you know, when I was starting out in the industry, I'm not trying to be a junior project manager forever. You know what I'm saying? Right. So for all for people to sit there and like, oh, well, you know, titles don't matter. What you're doing is you're undermining that my goal is to excel. Whoa. And it brought to light, like, that could very well be why a lot of people that I've that I've worked with and that other black women have worked with in the past um, say things like that. Like perhaps white women or the, our white counterparts are not necessarily looking at success from the same way. For us, it's always about being financially independent. They brought up the fact that many black women that work in the corporate world aren't do in fact live on their own. Are in fact single. Uh, or single mothers uh, are in fact taking care of their family members. So, especially coming from first, second generation, educated and uh, em gainfully employed women, we're out here. Nobody has time or money to just be sitting here trying to do the same thing for 50 years. The goal is to be able to take care of whatever your life consists of financially so you don't have to worry about nothing and that the people around you, whether it's just you, your dog, your family, your mom, your dad, whatever, they also don't have to worry about you because you got it. And in order for us to do that, we have to climb this ladder. We we do want to sit in C-suites. We're not intimidated by it. We do hang around other people that also want those things. So that was something that brought to the table because that that they brought to the table that I I did enjoy hearing um, because I have been in situations where when you want to talk about how to climb a ladder or how to get promoted or what the next step is, it's all it it it's it's a conversation that's really sticky to have because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. For a lot of Black women, 
definitely for every black woman I've ever known, that is not our issue. Our issue is not that we don't want money, power, and respect. The issue is we're not, we may not necessarily be clear on how to get there. Right. And to, to the point about like titles, I mean, anyone who says titles doesn't matter, if they're talking about in the context of, of, a, of a company, then everyone would have the same title. You know, like these aren't these aren't people at a level that are high up enough that would say no. These are people. What I've learned, mm -hmm. what I've learned even more recently, is everyone does not have uh, a passion to lead. And that's fair. And it is fair. Like I don't. I, I after I sat back and I thought I was like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. That's good. But like everybody doesn't have a passion to lead. Everybody doesn't want to be the boss. Some people are actually cool with. I'm going to do the tasks I'm good at every day, or I'm going to fulfill this role to the best of my ability, and that's all I want to do. My thing is, I thought I was in a boat by myself, where I was constantly feeling um, almost embarrassed of my ambition. Mm. Like, you can be... Everybody's shaming things now, right? So, ambition shaming. <laughs> as soon as you want to talk about how to get raises and promotions and people are like, oh, well, you know, that stuff doesn't really matter. No, it does matter, bruh. Do you feel like they hit on that last night? They, I, they did hit on that last night in the research. I don't think they talked about, they didn't talk about it in, in the panel. Right. Um, but they definitely hit on it in the research and I thought that was good. I think what I would have wanted from the panel is more insight, not even insight, but more questions that dug into specific scenarios um, because it was very top level. And for the level of women that I saw in the room, which were um, mid-level to senior level and a lot of management level women, we're not here just to hear about how um, how to get your foot in the door, like you said early, yes, earlier. Yes, definitely. Not I don't, don't want to hear about getting my foot in the door at this point. I want to know how you were able to sustain and to thrive. I, because I, what we need is a panel full of 100 women that can speak to this, not just five. And, and I think that's what kind of, I mean, it was a great panel, but I think that's what kind of annoyed me about the panel because it didn't hit on the why this is still a problem hard enough. It didn't talk about those barriers. And, and, to, be, and to be honest, because all of those women are so senior, because they're all in positions of power and hiring positions, I was expecting them to hit on the why harder. Why Why is it that, you know, and, and because also in, in the context of this conversation, um, not to point fingers or whatever, but I didn't hear any of them say that their departments, well, actually, Pam L. Is that her name, Pam L.? She was the only one who spoke up and said that when she sits in a meeting, the table looks the way that it's supposed to look. I didn't hear anybody else speak to their departments reflecting the the demographics that they should reflect. Well, no, I did because um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Janine... Janine LeBert, who works at BET, not, she spoke not, about, yeah. no, that's real. I she mean, spoke about her transition from 
the MTV side of Viacom to the BET side of Viacom and how essentially that um, changed the optics of, of what it looked like. Um, who else spoke about it? Pam but here's spoke about it. Listen, Miss Carol, Miss Carol told y'all this her agency. Miss Carol out here and she hiring people and she spoke about the mass, the difference between mass market and the nuances that are brought through by, um, by multicultural market, if you will. And she also let us know that that's her company. Right. That she made millions, but so but here's <laughs> and she brought billions. These so, were these are real words. So, so here's the she thing: she made millions and, and she brought billions to so, multicultural marketers. Here, here's the thing, right? And and it's, and it's no disrespect to either of them, but Carol H. Williams is a multicultural agency, so I would expect her agency to for those demographics to reflect the demographics. Like I would expect to see more black and brown people at a multicultural agency. Mm-hmm. I would expect to see more black and brown people at um, BET because the culture demands it. They know who they're marketing to, so they know that they have to uh, have the right people at the table. But we're talking about general market agencies because general market agencies are the agencies. And to, to me, those are the agencies with the problem. We're not. Vita was the only. Vita Harris is the only one from a general market agency on yeah. their panel. I worked at that agency. Right, <laughs> but that's my point. Like they did speak to it because in their positions and in their markets, that is exactly who th- their their tables represent. Their people. Vita is the only one that works at a general agent, a general market agency, if you will. So therefore, the my assumption is, of course, that's not her experience. What what I did get from the panel, as I did feel it was empowering. Sometimes it is important to hear that you're not crazy. Um, like I said, advertising will take a toll on your soul. Mm. more often than not so a lot of times you do sit there and you are crazy you you do feel crazy so hearing them talk about those moments where they had to prove themselves despite what they looked like or had to prove themselves despite what their chromosomes were shaped like had to prove themselves despite what society was telling them was refreshing to hear i'd be interested to know from you simi like what I mean, we talk about it all the time, but like, what were some questions or what were some things that you felt needed to be discussed and answered at events like that that could actually help push the needle forward? Because while that was an empowering event, it was great to see people. Um, Shantae Bacon was there. It was nice to catch up with her, like, uh, from 135th Street Agency, but like, Outside of the of the the networking for sisterhood and outside of the conversations about empowerment, what are what can what are some things we need to discuss to actually execute change? I mean, I just I don't feel like they hit on the nuances for the others, right? Because when you start talking about, I mean, in the context of that conversation, in the context of the article. They came out the day before where the numbers are there in black and white, that there are 93 out of 
these 8,000 plus executives, right? Yep. You're not hitting on the nuances because you are a unicorn, right? So for- Not a unicorn, but go ahead. I mean, but in, in the for, for some people, that's the first time they've ever seen that many black women who are successful in advertising in the same room. So until that moment, they were unicorns. They they did not. I don't think they talked about the roadblocks for the average person. I don't think they talked about. Um, I don't think they gave enough context for the CEOs and the hiring managers in the room to take action. It was a very. I, I feel like it was a surface conversation. Like they didn't. They didn't go deep. Like we. If you've ever been to uh, an event focused around DNI, you've heard all of you've heard most of those anecdotes before, right? Like there was, I don't, I don't think they said anything new or exciting for that part. I like, I don't, I don't, I didn't get it. I was, I did enjoy, I did enjoy hearing it out of a mouth that was not of my own. That it's, and I think this may have come from Pam as well, like. If you as an organization are truly committed to, and not just interested in, because there's a difference between being interested in and being committed to, but if you're truly committed to the work that is diversity and inclusion, then it is important to therefore prioritize diversity and inclusion as something as important as your revenue and creativity. I think she was speaking in reference to all of these awards and all of these events that we hold um, in celebration of, you know, con is for creativity and, you know, you 100 best marketers of the year and Forbes this and Business Insider that, but we're not recognizing diversity and like strides in diversity and inclusion. What we do is we recognize recycled talent. Uh -huh. I'll say it, we recognize recycled talent within diversity and inclusion, which also doesn't give enough um, of a platform for other people making it, other people of color and women making it um, in this industry without the help of, you know, your tried and true um, diversity organizations. We're also not, so, so by not giving recognition for let's say an IPG for actually meeting its diversity and inclusion goals, it's not as important. Mm -hmm. You get a bonus when you hit your revenue goal, you get, you know, recognition and accolade when you win a creativity award. What do organizations actually do? Well, like what do they actually get when they hit their goals? And I think that's an important thing. So to me, that was important to hear, and I, I felt like, okay, that might be something I need to put more thought into as to, like, ways to have this conversation and to help influence other organizations. Um, when, you, when you say get, what do you mean? What's the incentive? I mean, but the, the for IPG, the CEOs, their bonus is tied to DNI. They're not getting any recognition. So you're, if you're, to your point, if you're goal if your bonus is tied to you hiring three people of color or a veteran well why do why do you feel like they need recognition um because people like money power and respect 
That was Pam's point. People mm. want to go to Khan because Khan celebrates the most creative influencers in the world. People want to be celebrated. People um, that are making their companies hundreds, thousands, billions, billions of dollars get celebrated every year as top marketers because they're bringing in this money and people are clamoring for that goal. We, they're bringing spotlight to those business pillars that they're able to fulfill. Mm -hmm. So if we want people to, it's, I mean, it's not something I came up with, but I definitely, I definitely saw where she was coming from where, when she said it last night, if we actively want organizations to treat diversity and inclusion as important or, or at, prioritize it as importantly as we do say revenue and creativity, then we also need to celebrate when it's done correctly. And I think that is only fair. Okay, because what, right now, to my point earlier, all we're doing is celebrating people having the conversation. I mean, but isn't that what like, the ad colors are for? But to my point, a lot of platforms that exist already only celebrate recycled talent. They're not celebrating organizations that are actually making strides. And making stride is not hiring one or two blacks a year mm. and saying it just like that or we just opened um we just opened a whole office in sao paulo brazil so now we are diverse because we have brazilians no you are not diverse because you opened a nine uh you opened an agency in a foreign country you're diverse when your marketplace, where your place of business reflects your marketplace. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like I mean, that, to me, that was important. But for the most part, I did hear a lot of the same old, same old. And I want to get more out of my panels. I'm not going to panels. I'm not always going to meet the people I want to meet at these panels. Sometimes I don't need to drink all that wine. But what I do want to do is learn something new. I, I don't... And this is just my personal opinion. I don't care for giving people cookies for doing what's right. Like, that's just like, because the, the real reward is the business incentive, which is you, what you having these people at the table means that you are more competitive, means that you are able to service your clients with better insights. You're able to give them better work because your work is coming from a diverse group of minds instead of coming from the same old shit. So that's your reward. Your reward is that you're able to that's, make more money. That's actually real, Simeon. Like, as a business, that is not all you want. But, like, to your I, point, I, I yes, what you're saying. you should. Like, you should be right. just happy with that, but they're not. So if we're looking for further incentive, then let's prioritize it in ways that you prioritize revenue and creative. And the, my only issue with that is I feel like that ties diversity and inclusion. I mean, and it should, there is, there is a business case for it, but I feel like that ties diver, diversity and inclusion directly to the reward when it should just be the norm. Like it should, it should just be what you do. You shouldn't do it because you want a reward you should be doing it because 
it's what you do. And this is why I keep like yes. using this is why I keep using the relationship analogy when I talk about these these uh these workplace relationships because you don't give your spouse an award because they came home on time. It's what you do. You don't give your spouse but you, a, but you do reward you do reward people for going above and beyond. That that is what you want to be rewarded for. So my the, the point is Is it above and beyond if everybody's doing the right thing? Do above and beyond the right thing. I'm not talking about status quo. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about bare minimum. I mean I meant that. No, you're right. We shouldn't you shouldn't just be rewarded for hiring diverse candidates naturally. But you should be rewarded if you've got a 50-50 or, you know, if you got like a 50-50 work pool. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you constantly are out there in these streets pounding the pavement to make sure that your, uh, that your talent pool reflects the people that you're selling to. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think I think that's worth being rewarded. I don't think having discussions is worth being rewarded. I think if our I don't know, Kai Incorporated and our entire board of directors is not only all women, but all multicultural women of different backgrounds who have made X amount of money and have been able to show the correlation between being more diverse and making more money. I think that should be accoladed. I, I, I think that is fair, but I think that we, not me, I think they and them and theirs of the world truly believe that it's not that big of a deal and we're just doing it for PR. I think it's a PR stunt for a lot of people. I mean, and that's, and that's, and that's why like they deserve to get called out because it shouldn't be for PR. It should just be for what's right. Like that's, I mean, like my, I don't think my sense is ever going to change in that because it's like, you shouldn't be rewarded for doing what you're supposed to do anyway. <laughs> Like it's like it's wrong. I mean, but you get like rewarded for doing good creative. You do, but like this, like what I mean is like, yo, you're not gonna reward your white friends for being a good white friend. But you might be really proud of them for not only not only speaking out on behalf of Black Lives Matter, but they actually are out here in these streets advocating and standing up to let's say police all right on so you, of it. you'll get a thank you okay maybe a hug if i'm but feeling that's, fancy is that the same thing in the average i don't think industry? it is you don't think an I, award I don't, is I, I don't know i think i think i think incentive is key i i agree with you you shouldn't be rewarded for doing the bare minimum you shouldn't be re rewarded for doing what you should do i do think that every other pillar of a business that is celebrated gets awarded and to Pam's point that is a way to incentivize people to care more about it than just expecting them than just expecting people to do what's right because as you and me both know just because people say they know better doesn't mean they're actually going to do better no they don't but when you start to dangle money in front of people's faces and recognition and power and fame 
all of a sudden people find a whole lot more places to hire out of diversity pools. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yes, you're right. But I guess I'm at the point like, hell, if, if I'm going to get what I need out of the deal, I may need to be a little bit more enticing with my suggestions. I'm all about burning everything down to the ground. I don't know. I'm sure we'll figure so it out. I, like, I don't like that you don't have a next step. Like, <laughs> can we leave my house up? Like, why do we have to burn everything down to the ground? I just, I just feel like it's, it's, it's a broken yes. system, I agree. and nobody's acknowledging that it's a broken system. And when systems are broken, you replace them. You don't try to put a bandaid on it, like. You replace a broken system. If it's inefficient, it's not doing what you need it to do, you replace it. It's like a car. Like People fix cars and they fix cars and get them repaired and they get them repaired until one day they're just like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to get a new car. And I feel like we've, we keep trying to put Band-Aids on this broken down, run down, piece of shit jalopy mm. when we should yeah. be getting a new car. And the the reality of the situation is it ain't really that hard. We're basically just saying moving forward, you're going to be more inclusive and, and um, aware of your biases when you're hiring and you're firing and you're developing talent. Mm -hmm. it's not I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. I also don't necessarily disagree with her on that. I mean, no, no one, no one is is wrong, right? So, like the the women who were on the panel yesterday, none of them were wrong. I just feel like when you have the attention, the undivided attention of so many people in power, so many people who can make decisions that can that can propel the needle forward, and you, I don't even want to say you sugarcoat it. I don't think they were sugarcoating it. I just felt like they were not having the conversation that they would have amongst themselves mm -hmm. because they all know the bullshit. And I don't think they went deep enough into the bullshit to advocate for the women who are coming behind them. I think they just, they scratched the surface and they should have went deeper and they didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yes. Yeah. I, I'll say I don't necessarily think they... I, I'm, I'll say this. I don't think the panelists didn't do it. I don't think the questions... I don't think the program was... Uh, or the panel was programmed in a way to get to those questions. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it was their fault that the questions weren't asked. But when you have the attention of so many people, if this is really your ministry or your <laughs> or your your goal, then you have an agenda. And when you have an agenda, you work your agenda by any means necessary. You had the goal, you had the the skill set to work your way to that level. You know how to convince a room. And I don't feel like they went deep enough into the insights that would convince that room to go back to their agencies and act. And I think the, 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 
the things that they hit on were were good thought starters but we've had so many good thought starters over the last x amount of years that we needed to go deeper like that conversation needed to go deeper it just barely scratched the surface and we've been scratching the surface what those ceos in the room needed to hear were raw insights and those raw insights did not come through the way that they should have come through and no one else could speak to those experiences like those women that were on that panel because those women on that panel had to go through some real shit to get to where they are and i don't think that they talked about the real shit that they had to go through that so many other people black women and black men and black and brown women and black and black and brown men are going through now to get to the top they barely scratched the surface and that was the moment where they should have been they should have went all in because truth be told they don't have anything to lose at that level I mean, they do have that. That is a long way to fall, but you know, like they they have the 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 skill set and the 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 record behind them to land wherever to land on their feet. So they should have used that moment and went ham, and they didn't. Right. I mean, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, my, I guess my my stance on this would be to challenge the people who program events and opportunities like these to ask i mean know your audience right if you have people in the in the audience that are there that can make change then make sure that we're asking the questions and getting the insight and pointing and giving direction to and if if not inspire them to at least hold them accountable to say that they can't say we didn't tell you so um, and also for anybody else, like for all of us, as we, as we, I guess, obtain speaking engagements or sit on panels, if you feel like there's a question that you haven't had the opportunity to answer to, by all means, feel free to step in and contribute that, uh, that insight. Um, no, nobody should be walking out of there feeling like they didn't, they didn't learn anything new. Each of these opportunities is is a new opportunity to to change and to be better and to and to be different i don't i mean I, i'm not saying that there weren't things that there were i totally think and like i said empowerment is key and i think that was helpful but i'm still going to challenge people that are in a position to put these opportunities together to to your point ask harder hitting questions um and for panelists to also answer the questions the answer the obvious questions that aren't being asked as well okay so with that i'm gonna go ahead and close out like i said this is episode 22 karina we totally miss you you should come back um and i guess for those of you that um want to know how to get a hold of us you can follow us on social we are on facebook the twitter and the instagram you can find us at ask mixed company um, and you can also shoot us an email at askmixcompany at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we'll holler at y'all at, on uh, 23, our Michael Jordan episode, right? All right, peace out.